This morning's gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 39 through 45. I encourage you to stand in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you join me in an attitude of prayer? Gracious God, we long to hear from you. So may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts open us to hear from you, O God. For you are our rock. You are our only strength. You are our redeemer. Amen. So what makes a sanctuary a sanctuary. Have you ever thought about that? Is it the beautiful stained glass window that makes this place holy? Is it the nativity scene or the cross that usually has its place right here on the altar table? Is it the pews that make this place a sanctuary? Or is it the fact that you all choose to gather here Sunday after Sunday to worship God. If you were to take all those things away, the pews, the stained glass, the altar, and left just the walls and the ceiling and the lights, would this place be a sanctuary? In the biblical story, a sanctuary has always referred to a place where God lived. In fact, in the Old Testament, if you look all the way back to the Exodus, to the ancient Israelite people when they were traveling from the land of Egypt to the promised land, the place where they worshipped was called the tabernacle. And this was the place where they saw God lived. We actually have a uh, picture of the tabernacle, I think, that we can show you. This is what it looked like from the outside. This was where the Israelite people worshipped as they were on the move. This building was designed, actually, to be torn down and moved day in and day out. It was not like our sanctuary is here, where it is built to be in one place and stays for decades and decades. We have another photo here of the inside. And so bear with me just a moment, because I want to just talk briefly about this, because the way that the tabernacle 
was divided and set up, it was designed to show where God lived. Okay? And if you see out here, on the far right, there's the outer courtyard. Okay? That's where the altar was, where they would do the burnt offerings. And all the people could go to the outer courtyard. All people were welcome there. But if you go inside the building to the holy place, there you have the altar of incense, there was a table, there was a lampstand, and only the priests could go and only to perform their priestly duties. But then there was the most holy place, and that was where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that is where God lived. That was the sanctuary. The only person who could go into the sanctuary to the sanctuary was the high priest, and only one time a year on the Day of Atonement, because there was only one person who was allowed to be in the presence of God. See, in this ancient understanding of sanctuary, God's presence was fixed to a specific location in a specific building. God lived in the most holy place. And it was not a place that was accessible to people like you and me. This idea of God's presence being fixed to a room completely is transformed when Jesus is born. It completely changes because when Jesus is born, God chooses to take up residence not in a specific room in a tabernacle, but among us. John 1.14, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Another way to translate that is to say, The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That is, God's tabernacle became not a specific place. It became among us. Here, now, present and accessible. For wherever the presence of Jesus is, there is God's presence. And so, if a sanctuary is the place where God lives, then a sanctuary can be wherever Jesus is present. Sometimes we find sanctuary in expected places. We come to church and we expect to find the presence of Christ in this room. Some of us, like myself, go out into the beauty of creation, into nature, and expect to find God's beauty and grace there. But sometimes we find sanctuary in unexpected places. Now, I always think about the movie Mulan when I think of unexpected, of unexpected sanctuary. Not the 2020 remake, but the classic one that we watched when we were kids. Now, I'm sure many of you know the story of Mulan. It begins with a daughter who steals her father's armor, his sword, and his horse. And she runs away from home in order to fight in the Chinese army. And she does this to protect her father. And the movie goes on, and at the end of the movie, after the war is done, Mulan returns home. And there's this beautiful scene, I wish we could uh, show it to you on the screens, 
where she returns home and you can tell she expects that her father is going to be angry with her. But when Mulan returns home, her father doesn't punish her for lying or for stealing or for running away. He simply embraces her with a hug of compassion and says, Mulan, having you home is the best gift of all. By showing his daughter unexpected grace and welcoming her home, Mulan's father becomes a place of sanctuary for Mulan, a place of unexpected sanctuary. Not only a place of home for a returning daughter, but a place of refuge, comfort, forgiveness, and unconditional love. And in this love of her father, I think Mulan finds a place of sanctuary. Now, Mulan's experience is not too dissimilar from what Mary experiences in the Luke passage that we read today. Our story picks up in verse 39, and in the passage right before the part we read, Mary is met by the angel Gabriel, and Gabriel says, Mary, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. Now, it's always important to remember when we talk about Mary to remember that she was a teenager probably not much older than 13. She wasn't married, and she was probably poor. And so when she goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house, I'm guessing she's not going because she can't wait to tell her the good news. I have to imagine that Mary was a little scared, scared of what the message from the angel could mean, and she was probably scared because it was probable people wouldn't believe her that she would give birth to the Son of God. It was possible that people would cast doubt. It was possible that she might even be rejected by Elizabeth. It was possible that she would be met with scorn, just like Mulan feared that she would be met with scorn by her father when she returned home. And yet, despite her fear, Mary comes to her cousin Elizabeth's house, seeking refuge and comfort in the midst of confusing news. And she finds in Elizabeth an unexpected sanctuary. The text tells us that it's actually John the Baptist that first recognizes that Jesus is present. Of course, remember that both Mary and Elizabeth are are pregnant in this text, Mary with Jesus and Elizabeth with John the Baptist. We, we talked about John last week when Pastor Maria preached, and John is the one who goes before to prepare the way for Christ to come. And when Mary comes into Elizabeth's house, the text says that John inside of the womb leaps for joy because the unborn John knows that he is in a sanctuary of God's presence, for right before him is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who will be born. When Mary greets Elizabeth, the baby leaps for joy, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, the text says, to bring words of sanctuary and home to a scared Mary. Blessed are you among women, she says. 
And blessed is the fruit of your womb, and blessed is the one who believes that what God said will come to pass. You see, when Mary is expecting rejection and mistrust, her cousin becomes a place of safety, a place of welcome, and a place of home. Elizabeth becomes a sanctuary of God's love, for in her radical welcome of Mary, the presence of God lives. So who are the Marys in our midst? Who are the ones that come to us or pass us by who are afraid? Who are the ones who need to hear this Christmas? Words of welcome, words of safety, words of home. Who are the people who need a place of sanctuary where God's love lives? Uh, just this week, uh, we received an update from Kane McIntyre, who is the pastor at Mays United Methodist Church, and he is one of the many folks who's been coordinating a mission response to the Afghan uh, refugees who have been moving to Wichita. And in his report that I saw on uh, Facebook just a few nights ago, he was listing all the things that uh, churches in this area have been able to provide for the families who have come. And many of the things on this list are things that you in this congregation helped provide. And as he listed all of these things, space heaters, baby swings, dinner plates, vacuum cleaners, teapots, pressure cookers, sewing machines, winter coats, couches given by the youth of this church, car seats. What I hear in these items are not just things that people have bought. These are the makings of an unexpected sanctuary. The makings of a place of home. The makings of a place of welcome for people who need a place of sanctuary. But it's more than refugees, of course. There are people in our midst each and every day who need a place of sanctuary. They're the people who are behind us in the grocery store line. They're the people in the cubicle next to us or in the office across the hall. The people in the post office line who are waiting impatiently, just like you are, trying to get their Christmas gifts out on time. They're the people in the pews right next to you. Some people may never walk into these doors and come into this sanctuary. But they may need a sanctuary. They may need you. Or more precisely, they may need the presence of Christ, the sanctuary that dwells in you. So is this room a sanctuary? Yes, it is. But it's not because of the stained glass. It's not because of the altar. It's not because of the pews. This place is a sanctuary because this is a place where God lives and where God's love flows freely and abundantly. Do you feel it? Do you feel this being a place of sanctuary? Let our question for ourselves today not only be do we feel it let our question be 
are we willing to be it? For every time we go and share the love of Christ, we bring the sanctuary, the presence of God's love. What good news. Thanks be to God for the gift of sanctuaries. Amen.